You are listening to the You Are Lawyer podcast. I am the podcast host, Kyla Denano, a 2015 law school graduate. This podcast was created to share the experiences and successes of law school graduates who created their own paths to career success. In episode eight, I'm speaking with a judicial law clerk, educator, and lawyer, founder of GradAchieve, an organization that helps students gain admission to graduate and law schools. This guest creates specialized study plans and cultivates mental relationships. Based in Chicago, Illinois, today's guest is Dashani Simri Rathna. Welcome to the podcast, Dashani. Hey, Kyla, how are you? I'm doing well. How do you pronounce your last name? Well, I will tell you how you say it, just for your own uh, fun trivia games. Be like, I know how to say a Sri Lankan last name. Can you? <laughs> sure. So it's Dashani Florence, Senevi Rathna. Feel free to just say Florence, by the way. I go by Florence as well. Are you sure? Yes, right. yes. Well, a lot of people can't pronounce my last name, Dananyo. So I'm Dananyo. used to. <laughs> oh, that's fun. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. So were you born in California or did you come over here when you were a little bit? Oh, so I'm originally from Sri Lanka. Uh, We immigrated when I was nine. My family, we moved to the United States. We moved here, the entire family. My mom became a teacher and we actually moved to California, not because we, you know, spin the globe and then put our (laughs) finger. It never works like that with immigration. My mom was sponsored to be a teacher in California and that led us to move there. Even though my mom was a teacher, it was uh, very different uh, yeah. back home. When yeah. were you in Chicago? So I'm working for a judge and we travel back and forth throughout oh, the Midwest. Okay. We are all over the place, actually live in Chicago, but right now I'm in Indianapolis. What did you study when you were an undergrad? Yeah, so in undergrad, I was a political science major at UC Irvine, and I graduated 2013. Uh, what made you decide on poli-sci? I was that as well, but I, you, I think that was the know, third major I had. <laughs> yeah, so same. Exactly. I was always the type of person that was curious about everything, and that was my weakness. Is People always have this thing where you have to know exactly what you're supposed to be mm-hmm. when you're in undergrad. No, no, listen. Kudos to those kids that are like, I want to be a lawyer at the age of five. But that's just not who I was. And I kind of own it. What really led me to do political science specifically was because I studied abroad for a year in Italy. And I was taking a lot of classes, international studies, and I worked for a nonprofit while I was there. And then I came back and then I switched my major one more time. (laughs) Kind of helped me because I think it exposed me to law school. But that wasn't the reason why I went to law school. But it helped. So then after undergrad, you went and got your master's in public policy and education at the University of Pennsylvania, excuse me. Yes, yes. So what interests you in that? So right after undergrad, I moved to Washington, D.C., actually. I was working for a think tank at that time. And I was working uh, to really provide access to healthcare for women. And then I received an opportunity to participate in the Teach for America program. And I was accepted to Philadelphia at this time. So I taught for two years in Philadelphia and then I stayed. And while I was teaching, although I love teaching, I'm the type of person who wanted to understand how it all fit in an academic setting as well. So I applied and the great thing about the master's program in public policy and education was everything that I learned in the classroom, I was able to discuss at school, but everything I was learning in school, I was able to bring into classroom in a way of understanding 
what my children were going through, but also understanding the bigger implications it had on the overall policies. Pennsylvania in particular, uh, they have some very extreme policies on how schools get funded and how the education system works and how the school to prison pipeline works. My main focus has always been access to education, especially for minority students and students of color and just all students coming from every background that might not really have the same opportunities. And so while I was in my master's program, what really kind of led me to law school was that a lot of my students were part of the system and their life was intertwined with the legal system. Maybe it was an IEP because they were trying to get special education resources and the lack of resources that were coming into that part of Philadelphia and also maybe the lack of access to lawyers. Generally, the district would only give you one lawyer, <laughs> the one lawyer for like 30 schools. And the teacher, which was my role, I played a huge role in providing the kids these resources. And I would say educated enough to how do you advocate for these students? And you're like, wait, well, actually, the student should get the IEP. And, you know, not understanding certain things, but kind of what led me to law school. I was, I wanted to have a bigger impact on these kids' lives and really understand the system, which is why I diverted a little bit away from the public policy aspect into the legal aspect. When you were getting your master's degree, you mentioned working on some litigation assignments and with a special education lawyer. Could you explain a little bit more about that? Yes. I'm a firm believer every student and especially disadvantaged communities, we need to provide as much as resources as we can because we cannot teach students the same exactly. There is no linear method of teaching. You must accommodate each student. Certain students that might not be at the same level as their peers, they need a little bit more assistance, but it's a very long process on my part to document everything. And that was what I did. I had to document to show this student really needs assistance in, let's say, speech. And here is the documentation. Because what the lawyer does is the lawyer comes in and takes that resources and talks to me and interviews me, tries to understand the entire case around this student because everything that I'm documenting has legal repercussions as well. And everything that I save or don't save can have like serious repercussions on providing these resources to the students. So that's how I was intertwined in it. But as much as I hate to say this, there were other sides of the justice system that I wish I never saw as well. Um, You know, sadly, a lot of my students' parents were involved with the criminal justice system. And everything I remember from Philly and teaching really played a huge role in my approach to law school. My focus was so grounded because I saw the reality of the justice system. You know, I I sometimes had parents, they were uh, locked up and they wanted to check on their kids. These were parents that were great parents. So they called the teacher Mm -hmm. and that was me. And I, I had to see a lot of other parts of what these kids had to face every single day. And so that's propelled me to go into law school. Yeah. So it almost sounds like you were an education social worker. Oh, yeah. I tell people all the time the immense amount of respect and how we need to give more and more resources to teachers. Teachers play a huge role in shaping a kid. Mm -hmm. Huge role. Yeah. So how did your family react when you said you wanted to go to law school? Were they like, why isn't grad school enough? You know... Being the first person in my family to really become a lawyer, my parents didn't know. They've always sort of been exposed to the education system based on what I did. 
this is where I think why I started the gratitude program, because I know many of my friends who were the first to become a lawyer or a doctor, we all went through the same thing, which is you just explain it to your parents and they still don't understand. Mm -hmm. So you just have to do and while you do it, thinking like, you don't have a plan B, your mom is not paying for your loans, your dad's not paying for your loans, your plan A is your plan B, Right. in a sense of like, there was no room for me to fail. And it helped because I went to law school with a lot of clarity. And I didn't see that as much with people who might have came in because they always knew lawyers and they were like, go to law school. I didn't have that. So you've mentioned advocacy, you mentioned mentorship. Why is mentorship so important to you? For me, because I don't think I would be where I am today without my mentors. Why I say that is I've always clutched onto people who had information and I sought out information. I didn't know what a clerkship was when I came into law school. I just knew being a lawyer. When I was exposed to what a clerkship was, I wanted to know more. And then I attended conferences for minority students and why it's important to clerks. And I was like, I'm going to do it. And my mentors have always been pushing me to go one step further, kind of push myself. Sometimes when we fail, we're the hardest on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I always needed a mentor to remind me, hey, it's not the end of the world. Like, yeah. let me tell you all the great things that are coming up. Just do it again. And that was my outlook to it. So why I wanted to start Gratitude in particular was because I wanted to take on that role for people. I wanted to narrow it down by being able to consult students to get into law school or grad school in particular, because I have this tremendous amount of resources and I wanted to be able to give back to the community. And I've been fortunate enough to be part of several programs, <laughs> sometimes too many programs, like diversity programs, bar programs, this, this, this. And I wanted just one avenue for me to be able to now assist students in getting into law school or grad school through that. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, mentors have the benefit of perspective. They're able to see things and explain it to you where you're like, I can only see tunnel vision. And they're like, no, there's all this other stuff out here. Yeah, and honestly, like you said, there's been times I feel like I'm like always hard on myself. And mm -hmm. I know people are always like, oh, I'm hard on myself too. But we're our worst enemies. And sometimes you just need someone to inspire to and just ask questions, right? Yeah. Like, oh, what is that? What kind of law is that? Do I have to do this? Or can I just do something different? <laughs> yeah, I think law school teaches us to be hard on ourselves too. It's kind of a motivation. So true. I agree. Because the environment is very like, you're not good enough. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. Competitive and terrible. And yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, yeah. And I feel like in law school, it's more of like accumulation of accolades and your story. And that's why I always try to push students, especially students of color through the program that I started to be like, you have a story. Let's let the admissions officer know because you don't have to have a 4.0 GPA and a 180 LSAT. No, you have a story to tell. Let's push your story. A specific law school in Chicago this year, they started interviewing every single candidate because they were realizing that they were bringing in some very interesting students with hmm. uh, the same linear personality. And okay. so they started to interview students to be like, okay, what's your story kind of thing. People need to know that people have their own story. Yeah. And having your own story brings a lot to the classroom. It really exactly. 
oh, everyone's just here for different reasons, huh? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and you could tell the people who knew lawyers and knew what to do, and they already had outlines and all the rest. You could oh tell my the gosh, people who were so making true. it up. As I we know, went along. so true. Did you know people that were in law, or did you just kind of, all right, I'm going to figure it out? I knew one person and he was practicing with a solo practitioner. Like he was uh, apprenticing, I guess. So outside of just seeing commercials of personal injury attorneys or watching TV, that was really my only exposure. Got it. Okay. Okay. Awesome. I always (laughs) said from when I was a little girl, I want to be a lawyer, an editor, and a librarian. Those are my three things. Okay, Kyla, that is awesome. Please tell me more about library science. (laughs) Now that sounds like... You, we have to have a whole podcast on I know. that. <laughs> yeah, but I'm one of those people. I was a curious child as well. I'm the same exact way. It's why I initiated Gratitude. So with Gratitude, you help students gain admission to graduate schools, review their cover letters and resumes. You also work with bar exam prep and even advise students on how to gain judicial clerkships. Yes. Is Gratitude just you by yourself or is it you and a staff? So right now I am everything. I wanted to really be the first person to really advocate for it in a sense of like, not necessarily in a nonprofit sector. I wanted to be able to collaborate with different groups and organizations to really be able to propel students into law school or grad school with the resources and knowledge that I had. Currently I'm clerking for a federal clerk, but also I'm clerking next year as well. You know, having this kind of exposure, I wanted to really, really help students to know and understand before they jump into it. So for instance, the first thing I always ask students during our consultations is, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I know that's such a silly question to ask. Some of they're like, what? But it really brings clarity into your life. And I have a few clients, by the way, which I'm blown away by because they're like, I want to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, <laughs> they, they've self-reflected. And that self-reflection is so important because, you know, being a first-generation student, I didn't have someone like me to say, self-reflect. I know there's consulting groups out there that are like, we'll get you into law school, all these things. But one thing I noticed in a lot of them is they've been out for about 20 years now outside of practicing law and grad school. And I just am fresh out, passed the bar, did this, and I'm in the system. And I wanted to really be able to give them what's happening right now. I'm very straightforward with people. I don't want people to think that you can't do it consultants being like, well, these are the only schools you can get into. And I'm like, no, 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 we're going to make you a plan. And we're going to get you a plan B to get you into that first plan, (laughs) which is a real thing, you know, being able to do and be part of something that that I initiated and seeing it grow has been my favorite part. Quarantine helps you see it grow in real FaceTime because you're like, okay, I'm inside. Oh, wow, this is cool. Like, you know, (laughs) you're just being able to do so many things. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's important that you have recent experience with taking the bar exam, graduating from law school, being in grad school, because 20 years is a lifetime when you look at how education changes. Exactly. And also just the tactics of, I give them the very straightforward method of it because I know generally law schools will say, well, here are the three top bar programs to take and do this. And I'm like, I actually create a study plan with students and help create a roadmap Mm -hmm. for selecting certain classes for students as well as 
say they say I want to really become an immigration lawyer I tell them like here are the general gist of classes that you take as a 1L but let's talk a little bit about strategizing and how you approach your studying and so being sort of a mentor to them post gratitude as yeah. well you know and exposing them to immigration judges and working at this and just throwing out these kinds of ideas so that they can start thinking themselves before going to law school so that they have much clearer picture mm-hmm. of what they're going into. And that's equivalent to grad school. Yeah. And you're cultivating that mentor relationship, which is important. Exactly. Because I have, I have a financial mentor. I have a career mentor. I had a mentor in law school. I have a marriage mentor. I have all these wow. people <laughs> that I glean information from. Because if you've done it before me, good, bad, or ugly, I can learn from you. Right? 100%. I always told people this about going to grad school or law school. I said, go talk to people because people are so friendly. There's mm-hmm. never been a time that people are ever going to say no to you unless they're busy. But majority of the times people love to really tell people their knowledge. And if I don't know someone, I'll find someone that will tell you. And I think that's really interesting how you said, you know, I have this mentor, this mm-hmm. mentor. <laughs> I do. Well, the new term now is sponsor. I have an associate at our law firm and she's like, I'm not your mentor, I'm your sponsor. She says a mentor teaches and a sponsor shows you how to navigate the room once you're there. And I was like, oh, I see. They sound kind of synonymous to me, but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. Whatever you want to call yourself. Um, I love it. (laughs) So I really love law school, not talking about caffeine pills, but I enjoyed (laughs) being there, pushing myself to read 100 pages and writing all these notes. Would you be upset if while working with a gratitude student, they decided I don't want to do law school, I don't want to do grad school? Absolutely not. I mean, I'm so straightforward. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sell them something that's not what they want to invest in. That's not my job. My job is to make you understand what you want because then I tell them the truth because people always ask me, so why did you do a grad school degree and a law school degree? I wish I had gratitude. (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, (laughs) what what I'm trying to say is I want people to really understand what it is that they want. And if you change your mind, it's okay to change your mind. For instance, you don't have to go to grad school to go to law school. You don't even have to go to law school if you want to become something. You say you want to be a communications director. I have plenty of friends in Washington, D.C. who are doing big things without a secondary degree. The reason why I'm a big advocate for grad school and law school is that's what you want to do. I'm here. But if you think that your dream is actually not on that same path, I actually applaud those people because that shows to me that you've made a decision before you've done it. Because I've Mm -hmm. actually seen plenty of people who make a decision and they don't really go in it with the right reason and they really don't like it. That's the worst thing you can ever have is that feeling of, oh, another day. Yeah. Um, And like you said, not everyone's curious. Like not everyone can get overly happy about library cards. And I kind of tell students that like law school is not just what you see on TV, legally blonde, like trial lawyers. A lot of it that's in isolation and mm-hmm. you have to be okay with spending a lot of your time away from your friends and sometimes family. And you have to really come to that full emotional, social uh, aspect as well. So yeah, now going back to your question, 
I would be 100% great with that. (laughs) And that isolation part of law school is the part that people never mention. I think it's the first part you forget once you're done with law school. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're like, oh, I can't believe that happened. And that's the part that I always remember. Mm -hmm. As crazy as it sounds, it kind of like reminds me, oh, you were in isolation for this many years and you did it so you were able to do this for others. And like you said, a lot of people don't want to talk about that. And I think that it's not fair for people who are wanting to go to school, but they don't know what's about to happen. Like they don't know what law school or grad school can, you know, the other aspects of it. They're just like, oh, we'll help you get in. You don't want them to get in and drop out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's not fair, you know. I wish more consultants and education advocates would really talk about the emotional and mental health aspect of it. Yeah, because it's a big part of it. You go back and forth between being in isolation or misery loves company. You know, you're in a room with three other people studying and writing flashcards and you all hate it, but it's together. (laughs) Right, exactly. No, that's so funny because that's actually true. Because you're like, oh, one hell year. Yay, let's study groups. And you're like, these are my best friends for life. (laughs) Just because we sit at the table every day. Yeah. So true. So, of course, as a judicial clerk, your colleagues know that you attended law school. In what other ways would you say that law school impacts your life? I think for me, the way I've impacted people is just talking about my personal experience. You know, I don't look like many people in a courtroom. Being a woman of color, first generation, I sometimes am the only person who looks like me who has the same background. And to me, That's so empowering and that I have to be able to do this. I have to go into those uncomfortable spaces because if I don't do that, it's not going to allow doors to open for other people. Being a lawyer and talking about law school just becomes sort of your part of your identity, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I'd say like all aspects of it (laughs) becomes that. Yeah, which is good. (laughs) So it sounds like you really enjoy owning Gratitude and being a clerk and you're going to do another clerkship after this. Do you think you'll always wear multiple hats between mentoring, practicing, being a business owner? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. girl. Yeah. (laughs) You're most comfortable being busy and doing things. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. For now, I would have to say I'm going to continue to wear all these hats. People have questions. I'm always here to answer them. Um, And if people ever want to talk and do Zoom conversations, I love that because to me, knowledge is power. And sometimes you just have to reach out and ask or be like, oh, wow, what she was saying was actually really resonated with me. So um, yeah, that's my like last full bit. (laughs) Yeah, you heard it, people. Just reach out and ask. You never know. Somebody could say yes and it could change everything. Exactly. Thank you, Kyla. Oh, of course. Thank you to (laughs) Shani. Thank you for listening to You Are a Lawyer. Subscribe to the show wherever you find your favorite podcast, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. New episodes are released every other Thursday. Leave a comment on our Instagram or Twitter pages. You can find those details in the show description. Feel free to contact me at Kyla at youarealawyer.com. Have a great day.